0: Hi, and welcome to the Well-Read Podcast, a bi-weekly discussion on books and reading. I'm Hallie. And I'm Anne. And we are librarians who love to read and talk about books. And today, I am so excited about this topic. Uh, (laughs) It was Anne's brilliant idea. We are discussing books that feel like some of the shows that we love to binge watch. And I... Um, I think probably everybody is now, but I feel like I've been a binge watcher for a long, long time. That has been my preferred mode. I had a TiVo back in the day, and I'm, <laughs> I'm a girl who likes to just sit down and over, you know, several weeks or several months and and watch a show. So,
1: how where did this idea come from, Anne? I think I listened to something where they another podcast where they did it with. Nonfiction books,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I want to say, and and I thought, oh, that'd be so much fun for us, and we would do fiction probably, knowing our tastes, mm-hmm. and because everyone's at home right now, ideally, then we're all binge watching a lot more, and it just seemed like a like a nice nod to the realities of our lives right now. So
0: yeah, we actually are in need of a new show to binge watch. We just finished one that I'm going to be talking about so I don't want to spoil it we're in need of a new one we um, yeah we that's typically the way we we watch TV now just pick a show and watch an episode or two every night until we yeah. finish it
1: so I guess that's that's something so when you think binge watching you're just meaning like continuing with a show until you're done with it. Yes.
0: I mean, I have certainly in the past spent like seven hours watching a TV show in one day. My sister and I did that back in the day with Alias. I remember we did it. We've done it. Yeah. But I don't do that as much anymore. First of all, I go to bed really early. I don't have the stamina anymore to stay up late. And that was that was usually I think how I was doing it It was start a show at the evening and then go to the next one, go to the next one. I couldn't wouldn't turn it off at bedtime and just keep going so yes yeah, so i that's how i view binge watching i do know that there's binge watching of spending hours on end yeah or uh, several
1: days just binging a whole show but um, yeah
0: i don't know I'm i don't have like, that time right now so, yes.
1: i yeah i've evolved into more of what what you do where i just i just watch one or two episodes at, at most the the books that i'm talking about or the shows i'm talking about and and then the books that I'm talking about along with them are all things that I've I've watched where I really have had that I can't stop hitting next Mm -hmm. experience so Mm -hmm. I purposely picked those kinds of things but it's funny because binge watching is such a huge thing now but when I was growing up or or like when I was a teenager and in in college I did this with my brother especially but my my family generally um all the time but we called it marathoning yes so did my sister and I
0: oh yes we did marathoning a show that's what yeah and that truly was I think what people Think of as binge watching of uh, yeah. again Alias or things like that where we would just watch one episode the next The Office I remember we did um, watch a whole season in a weekend I think or yeah. something like that Yes we would call it marathoning That's, oh, so, that's funny, so funny
1: <laughs> But so we would do my brother and I this this is like our our uh, our means of communicating with each other or or not communicating but but like bonding mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. Um, And when I go visit him in Denmark then I'm I'm like. I should want to go do things, but I really just want to watch TV yes. with my brother. Yes, so. when I visited my
0: sister in Australia, <laughs> and I don't remember what we watched. Could have been Alias, quite honestly, but yeah. it was something. And we sort of did. I mean, I did get out and see Australia, too. Yeah, but yeah, there were yeah. definitely moments of... I mean, we also were in London several years ago and watched Harry and Meghan's wedding while we were in London yeah. for four hours <laughs> or something like that. I don't
1: blame you one bit on that. If you're there and you're not you're not watching that then that just seems crazy to me
0: I know yeah I don't know I had mixed emotions about it at the time I mean I loved doing it when we were actually doing it but ahead of time I remember thinking well we won't do that because I'm only in London for four or five days I want to get oh that's true things and yeah yeah I I, anyway we did end up staying in we ordered breakfast in we watched it it
1: was fabulous that's really fun all right so I'm so excited I
0: can't wait to hear about your shows I can't wait to hear about your books do you want to go ahead and yeah, I'll,
1: Okay. I'll go ahead. So um, the things I bear, I marathon or, or binge watch now are all very frothy mm-hmm. kinds of things. And so that you'll notice that theme. Um, I do want to give a shout out to Chips and Different Strokes <laughs> and the Brady Bunch Variety Hour because those are the things that my brother and I <laughs> like to uh, marathon nice. in, our, in our day. Um, I've watched way too much of all of those shows for (laughs) anyone's comfort Um, but I really love them as a result so um, but that's those aren't the themes that I went with this time so the first book I'll talk about is actually kind of a a compilation because um, I thought the book that actually fits is a little too well known so um, I'm going to talk about the forthcoming Sex and Vanity by Kevin Kwan and um, also touch on Crazy Rich Asians um, which if you haven't seen the movie or read the book then you should get on that because they're very fun um and the book or the the show that I like to marathon is Gossip Girl of course um so this is it's so much fun so one of my favorite memories of grad school is having people over and we had one friend who had had never seen Gossip Girl and um and so I just said, well, let's start this, and so, and it was a male friend, and he got really into it, and it was very, very fun. And so we would do things like bring out an air mattress and um, just watch it all night until we fall asleep, and then wake up and make breakfast, and then all like like just start watching again, and it was it was and have like five people all in the living room doing this this dumb watch of Gossip Girl and it was it was just such a great time so um but that's that's kind of the last time I've really done something like that because I found that I enjoy that with friends a lot more than like that's why I don't really marathon anything anymore because I I don't tend to like that experience on my own quite Mm -hmm, as much so mm -hmm. um so this is this is like a It's a really good memory for me. So um, if you haven't seen Gossip Girl or read the the book series, it's about a group of teens in uh, New York that all live on the Upper East Side and they go to a very expensive private school. And then there are two, uh, there's a brother and sister that come in from Brooklyn to go to the same school. So they're seen as outsiders, which is kind of hilarious because they're still super rich. (laughs) But in comparison to um, the Upper East Siders, they're not. So there's a giant... Uh, there's there's all kinds of giant scandals and there's a big focus on drama and the location. So you have all these amazing New York City setting, um, like it wouldn't really work anyplace else. And then the fashion is is just 100% a character on the show. So it's kind of everything that I love in one um, one package, where it it's perfect for just sort of turning your mind off and and enjoying the visuals of everything. So um, I think that the best book to capture that feeling is Crazy Rich Asians, because it's about an outsider named Rachel Chu who goes to Singapore with her boyfriend Nicholas for a family wedding, and she realizes that his family is insanely rich, um, and there's this huge... Um, focus on material wealth and all this name dropping of the fashion and networking between wealthy families and so then you have this average person that struggles to fit in and so that to me is the perfect accompaniment to Gossip Girl um, but I figure that it's really well known so um, there's a new book out coming out called Sex and Vanity that, that comes out I think next month in July I want to say? Oh I thought it was Was it June? Tuesday. I thought it was oh, June it 23rd might be. I feel like the publishing date has been shifting oh, okay. and it was a drop. You
0: talk about it and I'll look it up.
1: Okay. Yeah. Look it up. It's, it's kind of a, a recent drop in. So it's, it hasn't really, it hasn't been on the, on my radar for, for a super long time. Um, and actually I just barely started reading it. Um, because the advanced copy I got had some issues with the, the digital, uh, download. And so I just barely got that worked out. So I haven't read very much of this. So I'm kind of just going based on the blurb. Um, So this is inspired by E.M. Forster's Room with a View, which I think is a very fun um, element to the book. But it's not really a a true retelling, it just is an homage to that book. So it's about a a young woman named Lucy Churchill, and she goes to Capri with her older cousin Charlotte. Um, So she's in her 20s, and Charlotte is in her 40s, I think. And they go to this high society week-long wedding extravaganza, and she meets a man named George Zhao and she instantly dislikes him but in the heat of all the wedding festivities she ends up kissing him in this very atmospheric grotto on the beach amongst these ruins from from the Roman Empire. So Charlotte sees them and she tells Lucy that she thinks he's attracted to him because Lucy is half Chinese and she has always pushed away that side of her identity and just is very focused on being perceived as white. So then years later, Lucy runs into George in the Hamptons when she's there with her fiance and she's drawn to him again even though she's trying to fiercely deny that anything is going on at the and that there's anything that appeals to her about him. So she spends the summer moving through these very privileged um high-end locations as she's trying to fight this attraction to him and also um, along with that, the culture that she's denied for her whole life. So, um, this is the first book in a new trilogy that's I, I don't think it's a, con- a continuing story, but I think it's just a like a linked. Uh, theme in the trilogy. And so the first one is New York, and the second one is London, and then there's Paris. And so New York City plays a big part in this book, which is one of the things I love about Gossip Girl. So I'm excited for that. And I was thinking about how funny it is that I love books about wealth, because <laughs> I'm very frustrated with it in real life. And um, I think it's very interesting that even the most ardent anti-capitalists that I know, of which there are not just one, but a few, they all still love these kinds of books and these movies. And my my best friend is very anti-capitalist and she loves Gossip Girl so much. <laughs> and so there's just something about watching Ridiculous Rich People Problems that uh, unites us all. So, <laughs> um, That's So far, yeah, yeah, so far in this book, there's lots of name brand mentioning, which is kind of filler, but it's the best kind of Filler, in my opinion. So um, that is Sex and Vanity and Crazy Rich Asians by Kevin Kwan.
0: Sex and Vanity comes out June 30th, according to the internet. Cool, cool, cool. Yes. All right. So this is funny because my first one is also about very wealthy people. So (laughs) uh, the TV show I'm going to talk about is Succession, which have you watched
1: that? I haven't, but I've had it recommended so many times and so many different, like everyone's watching it. Yeah. So that was
0: the same. We just watched it. Maybe a month or two. Basically, the start of quarantine is when we started. And then it's only two seasons so far. So it, it's not that long of a watch. It's every episode is an hour. And I think there are 13 episodes, maybe. Anyway, so we just finished it. And it's about a bunch of extremely, extremely wealthy people uh, who are also really terrible. And yes! It's, it's, which is just the best. Yeah. <laughs> it's, the father is the head of a media conglomerate sort of like Disney or something like that like they have theme parks and they have a movie studio and just and they also own a uh, news channel that's very conservative so it's sort of like a Fox News equivalent and they're just worth billions and billions and billions of dollars and when the show starts I don't think I'm going to spoil anything because it takes place in the first episode everybody's expectation is that the father is about to hand over the reins to his oldest son because he's He's kind of getting up there in years and his son has played a very integral role in recent years in the company and that the other kids are it's not his oldest son. I'm sorry. The oldest son is sort of like off in Arizona or somewhere doing uh, (laughs) a sort of hippie kind of thing. And so it's but one of his sons is about to to take over. And then in the very first episode, the father's like, yeah, no, I don't think I'm going to retire yet. So the whole show is about the siblings and the father and all the power plays that happen between them. And so much backstabbing. I mean, just so much backstabbing and lying, and they're all awful. But yet somehow you like them and you want to keep watching them. And there's a lot of kind of sly humor, and there's some bad stuff that happens. Anyway, it's completely bingeable. I think, uh, and it was it's such a good show. I th- you should watch it. So well, it's
1: the an HBO show, right?
0: It is an HBO show. For a while, I bet that's they were why offering I those shows for free. But I think that may have ended now. Yeah. HBO was offering Ugh. streaming stuff for free for a little while, but... I missed my chance. I'm sorry. I mean, I'll It'll still watch it, It'll probably but... come Netflix or something eventually, I think. Yeah. Or you could get it from the library on DVD. Okay. Anyway, uh, so the book that I wanted to talk about was The Nest by Cynthia Dupree Sweeney. And I actually didn't look up to see if I've talked about this book before. I suspect maybe I have, but it's been a while. So I thought it was, it, it touched on so many of the same topics that I felt like I couldn't not talk about it here. And there mm-hmm. were actually kind of a lot of like, this is a very common little small niche genre in fiction about dysfunctional rich people and their problems. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think there were a lot of... Because we all love it. I know. Everyone's into it. I know. It's so fun to read about. I don't know why. Uh, So in The Nest, um, years before the book started, the father of the Plum family invested a small amount of money. And his idea was that he would give the kids a little cushion upon his death. It wasn't supposed to be setting them up for life it wasn't supposed to be making them independently wealthy it was just supposed to give them just like a little bit of extra money and um oh i'm sorry it's not on his death it's on i mean it is upon his death but it, it's not dispersed until his youngest child's 40th birthday and so the investment turns out to be much more successful than anyone thought and they now stand there for four kids and they each stand to inherit a quarter of a million dollars and so they've known about this money for years and they're just eagerly anticipating the youngest child's 40th birthday so that they could all get the money that they believe that they are owed and um, right around right before her 40th birthday one of the other kids who's kind of a reckless layabout kind of guy named leo gets into a car accident with an underage girl who's a waitress and their mother uses the fund to pay off the damages from the accident. So there is no money left to be had. It was all yeah. taken from the nest egg. And so he kind of makes some vague promises that he's gonna pay them back, but it seems unlikely he's kind of driftless and isn't can't hold a steady job and things like that. So they don't really think that he's gonna be able to to do that and they've all counted on this money for various reasons and um and so they're mad they're really angry about the fact that because of his one mistake and it's very much in line with his personality and stuff that he he there are no repercussions for him like people smooth over smooth away for him if he makes a mistake they just fix it and so everybody's mad about it there's lots of sort of squabbling and infighting and they're trying to figure out how to move forward, but they're still really kind of bitter and angry. Like they, they wanted that money. They thought that it was owed to them. And what's, what's fascinating to read about is none of them needs the money. They all lead lovely lives, but they thought that they were going to get the money. And so it's all about their expectation and how they, think, they feel like they're owed something. And it's, as a reader, it's kind of fun to read because you know as a rational person, nobody owes you that i mean that was something your dad did it was very nice but you aren't really owed that money um and you get a really good sense of their relationships to each other and past grievances that they have that sort of simmer back up to the surface and just there's a really good sense of those family dynamics that are Built up over years and all these different things Ooh, that have yeah. happened between them, um, and like you said, reading about dysfunctional families is really fun. I can't say <laughs> really more than that. So that is the Nest by Cynthia dupree Sweeney, and the TV show is Succession, and I recommend them both.
1: Uh, I've had that book for ages and I haven't read it yet, and now I want to read it right now. It sounds fantastic. I just listen. I re- or I read something that was really similar to that, but I think it was a Reddit feed of that um am i the asshole uh page on reddit where you ask a question and then everyone has to weigh in uh-huh. and it was where a woman had i think her parents gave away her college fund to her do- to to their other daughter uh-huh. and um like she had she had had a college fund with the expectation that she hadn't had a boyfriend all through high school like that was the requirement and then her sister did and then they and then got pregnant and they gave away all the fun to her sister but she didn't follow the rules for it and <sighs> and everyone was going crazy on it it was very very interesting i kept thinking i've heard this book before like when you were describing the book i kept thinking i know this and then i realized no it was that reddit thing oh, <laughs> oh my gosh it's
0: <laughs> real life drama right there
1: seriously Okay, so my next, uh, I have my first thing was talking about two books, and my second thing is talking about two shows that relate to one book. So um, I'm trying to get around the rules here. Um, So the last two shows that I binge watched, where I truly couldn't stop hitting next, were Fleabag and Search Party. And to me, they have really similar themes, so I decided to include both for for linking to this book. So, um, Fleabag, if you have not heard of it, is insanely popular and insanely award-winning, and it's about a young um, unnamed woman who lives in London, and she's trying to navigate her life after the death of her best friend in an accident. And they had owned a cafe together, and the business is struggling, and she has a really difficult relationship with her father and her sister. and um, her father's, uh, girlfriend, who is also her godmother. (laughs) It's very complicated. And she just can't get her life together, basically. Um, so the show is very focused on sex, which, um, be forewarned if you haven't watched it, but it's also always portrayed for comedy, so that's, that's kind of a, a key function to the show. Um, and then there's also, um, a show I really love called Search Party, and it has Alia Shawkat, I think is how you pronounce her last name, um, who plays Maybe on Arrested Development. Um, but now she's an adult and she um, is on the show where the it has two seasons and the third season is about to start and I am dying for it to start because it ended on a cliffhanger on the, the second season. Um, so it's about a young woman named Dory who lives in Brooklyn and she notices when she's out walking that there's a flyer for a, n- a missing woman that she realizes she knows from college and it was a college acquaintance named Chantal Witherbottom, which is one of the greatest names <laughs> for a character ever. And so she decides that she and her boyfriend and their two friends need to figure out what happened. So it has this mystery element um, that really propels the story, but it's really mostly actually about trying to find meaning in your life when you have technically all your needs met, but you're still miserable and you can't get your life in order. Um, And there's there's an actor named John Early who's on the show that plays one of the friends. Oh, my gosh, he's a national treasure. He's (laughs) so funny.
0: I'm trying to think how I know him, but I do know him. I mean, not not really. I know who he is.
1: Yes. (laughs) I've seen him in other stuff. This was definitely the first thing I've I've seen him in, but then I... Because I I watched the first season a a few years ago. Um, But now I see him all the time, but he's just one of those people that kind of pops up all over Mm -hmm. the place. But he's he's just so, 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 so funny. So uh, the book I'm going to talk about is called Grown Ups, and it really um, encompasses the themes from both of these shows. So I think this book was supposed to come out in... Um gosh, May, I want to say, and I think it's now pushed back to August. Um, oh, and it's by uh, Emma Jane Unsworth is is the author. I don't think I said that. Um, so'm I'm, I'm not sure the date on on exactly when it's coming out, but I, I know that there was some shifting um, publishing dates as so many things are shifting right now. Um, So this book, uh, the main character is named Jenny and she lives in London and she's 35 and she has a job writing for, I think it's kind of a lifestyle blog called The Foof. (laughs) (laughs) And she recently ended a relationship with her boyfriend, Art, um, partly because of her obsession with her online image. So she's just constantly on Instagram and compulsively checks it and sort of the last straw for him was when she started looking at her phone during sex and so she's she just cannot get away from from what's going on in her online world or on her online life, I guess. Mm -hmm. So there's one account that she's especially obsessed with, um, named Susie Brambles, and she just basically wants to be this woman or be best friends with her. And so she obsesses over the comments that she posts on, on Susie Brambles' um, Instagram posts and wonders if it's too much and if she used too many exclamation points and just, just all these very, um, kind of to the reader, very crazy things. So She uh, very early on in the book gets fired from her job for not being feminist enough, and her roommates move out after she uses them for one of her articles, and she has a a relationship with her best friend that's falling apart because of of her... um, She isn't uh, invested at all in her real life, she's only invested in social media. So somehow her mom comes to visit and decides to stay to take care of Jenny. I can't remember the mechanics of how the mom ends up there. But they've always had this really contentious relationship because the mom is a former actress and now works as a psychic, <laughs> and she's always put herself first before Jenny. Um, so in one, one part in the book that, that is a flashback, she leaves Jenny to go to the Bahamas for Christmas with her boyfriend when Jenny was 16, and she just, just leaves her there. So as soon as Jenny was 18, she left the house and she decided she was going to be her own person and live the life that she wanted to. But now she's uh, 35 and she doesn't really have anything to show for it. So this book, it, it, it's really interested in the expectations that we put on women to hit certain milestones by certain ages and how um, how much that can mess with you mentally when you don't have those those things in place. Um, it, it, I think that's really true of a woman's experience in ways that men don't have that that same expectation. They, I think men have a lot more leeway and they can get away with making different decisions, but for women it's, it's um, you can make different decisions, but there's still a lot of discussion of what you ought to have done. Um, so there are some things that happen in the book that, that I'm not going to t- tell that, uh, allude to things in the past that have happened to Jenny that um, that sort of encompass and exacerbate these feelings of inadequacy that she has. Um, so she's she's really dealing with this list listlessness um, from when life isn't as, as you imagined it it would be, um, and that to me is the same sort of running theme from these two shows. I really thought that this book was fun to read because you you have all these texts and social media posts and emails. And so I just breezed right through it. Um, so it has this this really fast pace to it, but also hits on deeper issues, which um, I think just like the shows, there's a nice contrast between superficiality and depth. And and that was really satisfying to me. So that is Grown Ups by Emma Jane Unsworth. And uh, the shows I talked about were Fleabag and Search Party.
0: That sounds very good. I want to read that. <laughs> it comes out in <laughs> August is what I found out.
1: From oh, good, online. good, good.
0: All right, so my next TV show is one that I just adore. It just ended. It was so good. Schitt's Creek.
1: <gasps> yes. Have you watched Schitt's Creek? I haven't seen the last, the last season yet. I'm up to everything that's on Netflix. And yes, I don't it know is that also it's a favorite.
0: Aired, Oh, yes, it has aired here, but on some random cable channel. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's not on Netflix until the fall, I think. So I <sighs> cannot even describe my love. For the show, it to me, it's definitely one that it takes a few episodes to kind of get into, um, as many shows are, because you have to get the tone of it, you have to get to know the characters a little bit, and so once I got into it, though, I just thought the characters were so so lovable, uh, and they really grow. I think it's a high five or six season show and throughout the show the characters all evolve and it's just fantastic yeah. so it's and it's hilarious like it's yeah it's hilarious too um the premise is that a very wealthy family lots of wealthy families oh, in this episode.
1: such um, a theme <laughs>
0: uh, it is a theme we didn't even know um it's a very wealthy family who the father owned a chain of uh video rental stores like blockbuster kind of stores which is funny um and they lose all their money because their business manager, I don't know, if he, he did something with their taxes, I think. Anyway, they, regardless, they lose all their money and they have to move to this teeny tiny town in the middle of nowhere that they bought. It's called Schitt's Creek. And the father bought it for the son as a joke for his birthday. And it's the only thing that they have left, basically. So they move there. They move into the motel in this little town and are totally fish out of water. They just don't fit in in the least. And one of the things I love about the show is how the family initially feels like they're too good for the town, and the town doesn't really have anything to offer them. But then they grow to really love it and find their place there. I hope I'm not spoiling anything by saying (laughs) that. And the other thing I really like about the show is that the townspeople are never the butt of the joke. They're always kind of quirky, and they have some funny um, traditions and stuff like that but it's always the rich privileged people who are in the butt of the joke which is something i really like like it's never a mean sense of humor and it doesn't always go in the direction that you expect it to so anyway i just love the show so as i was thinking about it it, i actually was trying to decide kind of which direction to take a book that would evoke the same kinds of feelings Uh, and so i thought well i could go with a rich people lose all their money story but i thought well that's that's a lot like the first book that i talked about there are a lot (laughs) of books like that and so i thought part of what really makes me love that show is is the love that they have for the town and the the relationships they make with the townspeople and how the four of the roses the central family that loses all their wealth how they end up growing as a family and hanging, they spend more time together, which is something they never really did when they had all this wealth. So uh, it made me think of a book called Sweet Tea and Sympathy by Molly Harper, which is a romance, but sort of like a chick lit romance. And it's about a girl, a woman named Margot Carey, who is a very successful event planner in Chicago. Uh, and she's on the rise. She's basically about to be made partner in the event planning firm where she works when she has an absolutely disastrous event. and she loses her job because so many people of the high society of Chicago were at this event. And so she's about to she's lost her job, she's about to lose her apartment because she can't pay for it. And as a last re- re- excuse me, as a last resort, she takes up her uh, aunt's offer, Um, she her aunt contacts her and offers her a job at their funeral home and bait shop that they have (laughs) in the small uh, town of Lake Sackett Georgia so Margot goes she grew up with her mom and doesn't really have any contact with her dad or his family which is the family that's there in Lake Sackett so she goes and isn't very excited about it but it just feels like it's her only option at that point and she feels like she is only going to stay for the length of time it takes her to find a job in a real city and she has no intention of staying there but she starts to get to know her family she gets to know her dad and um also meets a lovely local elementary school principal who is the widowed father of two small children and she ends up getting involved in the town and doesn't expect to, but she they have, um, I think it's a Founders Festival that she ends up planning, which, of course, she has a background in event planning, so she's very good at that, and uh, realizes that maybe it's not such a bad life after all, and that it's its really nice to be surrounded by people who love and support you. And um, Even though it's a romance, and that is the main emphasis of the book, there is definitely a large focus on family and the community and the way that uh, that adds to somebody's happiness or that adds to somebody's the completeness of somebody's life and so it has a lot of quirky characters it has a lot of that same flavor that's in Schitt's Creek I think with the small town um, and it's incredibly charming and it's sweet. It's also really funny. You have the humor like you do in Shit's Creek. And I just thought it was really actually a great match as I started thinking about it um, for a lot of what I personally loved about Shit's Creek. So that is Sweet Tea and Sympathy by Molly Harper. That sounds awesome. <laughs> it's actually a series. There are, de- there are three, I think, with a couple of novellas in there. So if you like it, there's more to be read.
1: Sweet. You know that I love, like, any book that's idealized southern town I'm always mm-hmm. kind of yep. for that so that's 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 hitting it. Yeah, I feel like this would be a good one. I considered
0: when I was thinking of shows in my head binge watching shows uh, Gilmore Girls would be one I yeah. think also and I think this would fit of the quirky small town and the yeah. shenanigans that happen.
1: Also, Heart of Dixie would be yes, perfect
0: yes. for that. Oh, I loved that show.
1: I did too, and it's terrible. And I so loved bad. it so much. And when I moved to Beaufort, I or after I moved to Buford, I'm like, I thought this would be more like Heart of Dixie. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> With meaning men to date. <laughs> yes, many hot men just falling
0: yeah. all over themselves to date you.
1: Not so much. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> That's a great recommendation. Oh, thank you. Um, okay, my last book is *The Secret Lives of the Amir Sisters* by Nadia Hussein, Aww. and yeah, I'm picking this as a read-alike for *The Great British Bake Off*, which I adore. Um, so this is written by Nadia from *The Great British Bake Off*, who I think was on season four of the of the U.S. numbering, I want to say. I have no idea. About I can't remember for sure, but. Numbers. Yeah, I, I feel I feel like she's kind of in the middle. Um, but she sort of has become the most, I think, recognizable and famous or like most successful person from Bake Off that has really navigated all of her um her fame into lots of different ventures. And so this is one of them. Um she wrote this this book, um I don't know if it's a series or just a, a duo, um but yeah, this is the first one. So honestly, when I read this, um, I thought it would be a lot more food focused, and mm-hmm. it's not. Um, so that was a little bit sad to me. But if you like, if you love Nadia as a character on the show, um, just being herself, this I think is still a really good read alike because the arc of her show was really about her insecurity and her growing confidence in her abilities. And and at the the end of her her uh, time on the show, she said something about how. She's learned that she can do anything that she puts her mind to basically and and it was just very, very inspiring and really want, really fun to watch her have that that development. And that's very true of these characters that she's written. So I, I think that it still fits with um, a read alike just in a, a different track than what I was expecting. Um, so I thought I had read that this was a little women retelling and it isn't but it's clear that the characters were inspired by the four march sisters from little women um, but the plot is not at all similar so i was i was kind of um expecting something different but it was still very enjoyable so it's about these four sisters the emir sisters who live in a small english town and they are the only muslim family in that town their parents emigrated from bangladesh when um at least the oldest was was young i don't remember how many were actually born in Bangla- in in Bangladesh, but, um, but at least the the youngest of the four was born in England. So the oldest is named uh, Fatima, and I think it's I think it's pronounced Fatima and not Fatima because later in the book she makes fun of someone who pronounces it Fatima. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not 100 percent sure how you pronounce that. And she is 30 and she lives at home still, and she is a com- an obsessive compulsive eater. So um, she's always hiding food and then and then eating it uh, on her own and sort of sneaking it. Um, and she's also uh, very dependent on others because she can't drive, and so she's sort of the Beth figure of, of the book. And then there are twin sisters named Farah and Bubbly, and Farah is married and pretty well off, and her twin Bubbly doesn't think that her husband is good enough for her. She thinks that she h- should have, f- have followed other dreams. So Bubbly did follow her dreams. She lives in London and she's an artist and she sort of looks down on the family a little bit um, and resents them a little bit. So those are Meg and Joe. And then the youngest is May, who is the Amy character. And she's still in high school and she's very superficial and social media obsessed. And she's constantly filming filming things for Snapchat and has this anonymous blog that she maintains and, and just lives most of her life online they so one of the big departures of uh from little women is that they have a brother named jay who is um never around but is really adored by their parents and the sisters all sort of think that he is um a little bit of a good for nothing um but can't convince their parents otherwise so um at the start of the book farah is angry at her husband mustafa for never being around and he is successful in business. I think he, he has like a tech company of some sort and he's always working on some sort of new scheme, but he's really absent-minded about paying bills and he doesn't, um, he sort of leaves everything up to her to to take care of the day-to-day aspects of their life. Um, And so one night he doesn't come home and and Farah is really angry until the police come and say that he was in a really terrible accident and he's in the hospital and he's in a coma. So the entire family congregates at the hospital. And from the start, there's a lot of tension because the parents don't want to call Jay because they don't want to bother him, which is ridiculous. And so um, there's a lot of discussion about that. And Bubbly is really uh, contentious about um, uh, Farah's husband um, just his character, basically. And May keeps filming everything, and it's it's just not a good mix. So after several days, Mustafa's brother Malik comes from Bangladesh, and actually Mustafa is their first cousin, so it's first cousins marrying each other, which I guess um, it sounded in the book like that was a little bit more common. And so Malik is their cousin, their cousin too, and immediately he starts to cause issues in the family because he knows some very explosive information that are going, that, that will change everything, um, with the, the family dynamic. So all of these sisters have various hidden lives that they've kept from everyone else in their family. Um, and Fatima, on, (coughs) excuse me. Uh, Fatima is the most sheltered and she has the most change ahead of her. And she really reminded me in a lot of ways of, of Nadia's story on Bake Off. Um, but it's a really sweet take on sisterhood and family and being outsiders. And there's there's actually not a lot of interaction between the family and the rest of the town, which I expected a little bit more of. But there's a lot of information about Bangladeshi immigrant culture within that family. And and it's kind of fun because it's not really explained. It's just depicted as this is how we live. And it doesn't, it doesn't explain it for the reader. You sort of have to figure it out yourself, which I, I kind of liked. I thought that was a fun um, take on... Uh, not having to pander to a a non-Bangladeshi audience Mm -hmm. I think. There's a lot of uh, British sort of cozy domestic fiction out there like kind of I think of Jenny Colgan a little bit when I when I think of that genre and this fits in really well with with other books like that so if that's your thing then um, this would be a good pick. I still wish there had been more food in it that's okay Okay. uh yeah and that is the secret lives of the amir sisters by nadia hussein and i talked also about the great british bake-off
0: yeah i was gonna say you can just go back and watch a season of the great british bake-off for the food part
1: yeah in between chapters
0: i could really go for a new season of bake-off right now oh seriously soothing and nice (sighs) <sighs> it's what the world needs. All right, so my last show is actually a book <laughs> and a show But I've already <laughs> talked about the book, which is Normal People by Sally Rooney. I think I talked about. Excuse me. I think I talked about uh, the the book when we did our um, books to screen episode a few months ago. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I recently watched the show, and oh my. it was so good it was so good it was so bittersweet i love a bittersweet love story and this is just the epitome of that it's so heartbreaking the actors were amazing they're two i think pretty new actors i don't think that they've been in a lot before and they're just they just sink right into their role and it's just excellent so it's i'll just tell you a little bit about the story even though i just talked about this book a few months ago it's about Two um, kids, basically, two high schoolers, uh, Marianne and Connell, who she is wealthy. Gosh, such a theme. She is wealthy (laughs) and kind of an outsider at her high school. She's very, very smart. And Connell is super popular. He plays uh, football or something like that, the Irish version of football, so soccer for us. Um, And (laughs) he's also very smart. And his mom is the house cleaner for marianne's family and he comes over he knows marianne because they're in the same school but she's this outcast and he's very popular he's in the in crowd and so the um he comes over to pick up his mom one day and they start talking and they end up kind of hitting it off and they have this connection and He kisses her i don't think on the very first time that they talk after school but they he starts hanging out with her basically and says to her don't tell anybody at school that we're doing this so they keep it a secret but they're hanging out they end up um, having a very strong physical connection there's a lot of sex in the show there's a lot of sex in the book um and then it follows them throughout the next maybe eight years of their lives or so it follows them through college as they're growing up and they keep breaking up and then being pulled back together. And they're basically the only person that the other feels comfortable with or feels like they can be themselves with. Um, so they're kind of their best friend, but then they have this uh, attraction to each other. And it's just this complicated romance, basically. And um, it's very emotional. And so much of it is you want to just shake them and be like just talk to each other just tell each other what you are thinking and what you are feeling but 18 year olds don't do that or 16 year olds don't do that and so uh or maybe some do they weren't doing it when i was 16. so um so it, it's just it's it was so good it was i i watch it on my own it's not really something that would be jeremy's thing so i would I would watch an episode or two if he wasn't around. And it was so funny, the timing was perfect because I was finishing the very last episode and they were the credits were rolling as I heard the garage door open and he got home <laughs> and I was crying. <laughs> and he walked in and he said, are these happy tears or are these sad tears? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I was like, they're both. They're both. It was so good. Anyway, so it's a very—I don't know—I just loved it. It was fantastic. So, um, but we're not here to talk about normal people. Although everybody should go watch it. Although, I, fair warning about the sex part—if you are uncomfortable with uh, nudity or sexual content, not the show for you. Um, anyway, so it made me think of. Uh, The book Queenie by Candace McCarty Williams, which came out, I think, last year. And when it came out, it got a lot of favorable buzz. But one of the things I kept seeing in reviews and other places was it kept getting compared to Bridget Jones's Diary, which is like the classic chiclet book of the late 90s, early 2000s. And I read it and I thought, yeah, no, (laughs) I don't know who's (laughs) making this comparison. But no, uh, Queenie is a Jamaican British woman whose longtime boyfriend, who happens to be white, uh, breaks up with her, and the breakup really rocks her world. And she is not doing so well at work either. She's a writer, and she keeps getting assigned fluff pieces when she really wants to do more serious things. And um, she works at a newspaper. I don't think I said that anyway. And so she's just feeling very adrift, and she starts making some very, very questionable choices, specifically in who she dates and uh, what sort of activities she um, does with these people. And as a reader, you kind of feel like you're watching a train wreck, which is very similar to how I felt about when I read Normal People. Like, I couldn't look away, and at the same time, I thought the characters felt very frustrating because I thought, again just talk to each other or in Queenie's case just talk to your friends talk to your family and um, she just keeps making these choices but they also feel really real because of that they feel like very real people um, and feel like situations and actions that people would actually do in those situations Um, so yeah you just want you you're following along she is making these choices but you sympathize with her because you know it's coming from a place of like deep pain and hurt and she's just trying to fix that and she doesn't know how um it's not the lightest easiest read that's why I don't think it's a good comparison to say Bridget Jones's diary but I think what people were trying to say when they made that comparison is it's sort of like the modern version of Bridget Jones's diary and that it's about a single woman in the dating world and what that means for her in 2019 or 2020 uh, mm-hmm. when this book came out. So That's Queenie uh, by Candace McCarty Williams and the TV show is Normal People or there's the book of Normal People and I will also say if you watched Normal People or read the book of Normal People I can't remember if I recommended this when we talked about the book a few months ago but there's a movie from about 10 years ago called Like Crazy that I would highly recommend if you like that bittersweet oh, love yeah. story feeling of a couple that's sort of torn apart, brought back together, torn apart, brought back together. Um, it's with Felicity Jones and, oh gosh, the, the actor's name is escaping me. He passed away, unfortunately, very young, a few years ago. Um, but it's basically, the whole movie is basically just about the two of them and their relationship. And I, I think it's a, a great follow-up to normal people if you just wanted more of that sort of heartbreak um and bittersweet love story which i do apparently i just can't get
1: enough
0: (laughs) of it i have a very nice life i don't know why i like reading about dysfunctional families and bittersweet love stories but i do
1: it's fun it is just so it's fun
0: all right well we will be right back with what we are reading this week All right, Anne, what are you reading this week? Um,
1: so I just finished a book called A Deadly Inside Scoop <laughs> by Abby Colette, and this is a cozy mystery written by a Black author with a Black protagonist, which you is... You don't see that very often. You never see that, <laughs> especially in cozies. It's rare in mysteries, but cozies, it's almost unheard of. So I was just completely psyched when I heard about this, because I want that to open up a little bit more. So the main character is named Bronwyn Cruz, and her family is from Chagrin Falls, Ohio. Oh my am gosh! I, am I pronouncing that right? Yes.
0: Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. That's um, like right
0: near where my extended family lives.
1: Oh, cute! Yeah. It sounds like an adorable town from yeah. this this description. Isn't
0: that uh, where um, Little Fires Everywhere took place too? That
1: that's right? Shaker Heights. Heights. Oh, Shaker Heights. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yes. yeah. yeah, yeah. But they they're all pretty close to each other because yeah. it's right outside of Cleveland. Yeah. So, yeah. um, so she left. Um, her hometown to get an MBA and then move to New York City and she was really successful at her job there but then she had an illness that made her want to come back home and she, she just couldn't imagine being anyplace else to, when she was dealing with that illness so um, so she does and her family is she says in the book is almost the entire black population of, of Chagrin Falls <laughs> <laughs> and it's a very ideal quaint town and it's it's kind of fun because this is a real place versus most cozy mysteries where they make up the mm-hmm. town and so I thought that was really fun. So um I actually looked up the town, um I can't remember where what source I used, but but they there's a Jenny's ice cream shop that is that's like right where it's described in the book as having this family ice cream shop. Oh and so I thought that was really cute that like maybe the author went there right. and thought this would be fun to set a mystery here so um so it was i i I don't know i like details like that so for sure yeah um so her family has had this ice cream parlor in town since the 1960s, and it was started by her grandparents, and her grandmother created all the recipes and made everything in-house, in, in house, and it was sort of legendary in the region. And then the grandmother died, and the store was passed down to a daughter, so Bronwyn's aunt, who turned it into a little bit more of a novelty shop, and her goal was to diversify it to make it more um, financially tenable during the non-summer season. So unfortunately, that kind of turned it into a little bit of a kitschy um, novelty shop, and it really lost its focus. And so the daughter leaves uh, Ohio for a relationship. And so Bronwyn, um, who actually goes by Wynn, she is picked by her grandfather to take over the business. And she's really ecstatic because she has had this vision of restoring the business um, and, and just has really fond feelings for it. So she's been working toward this goal all year and they open, um, they, she changes some things up. So she, she takes out the back wall of the business and puts in glass so that the the people in the shop actually have a view of the falls and she opens up the kitchen and sort of modernizes everything and starts developing recipes that have exciting new flavors, but then also incorporates her family favorites in there too. So they, she she just is is giving the nod to her family history while also, pushing things forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of all these changes, it's it's delayed the opening past summer, and now she's opening in the fall, and the day she wakes up to open the shop, it, there's a snowstorm. So it's, it's not perfect for ice cream weather. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so she decides to go forward with the opening day, and when she gets to the shop to open it up at like five in the morning, there's a man standing outside holding a puppy, and he claims to be this family friend. And so they get talking, because who's not going to talk to a man with a puppy? And she says, oh, well, if you're a family friend, then go see my grandfather. So later in the day when her mom arrives to help, uh, Wynne tells her mom about this experience and and she finds out that this wasn't a family friend, that it's in fact a man who took advantage of the family when the grandmother's health was failing and tried to swindle her out of the business. And so the whole family is livid that this man is back in town. So that day no one comes to buy ice cream and Wynn is upset and she can't sleep and she decides uh, in the middle of the night to go back to the shop and work on some new ideas that can drum up some business. And so one idea is that she's going to follow this family recipe for snow ice cream. So she goes down to the falls to get some untouched fresh snow and she finds a body of course and that is later later revealed to be the man that she talked to that morning that is um, the enemy of her family. So through some other events, her father, who is a respected doctor in town, um, ends up not having an alibi, and because of the family feelings toward this the murder victim, he's a suspect, and so Wynne has to work to clear his name. Um, so this is a typical um, cozy plot line, but I really loved this family relationship. I really thought that made it stand out a lot from your typical cozy mystery. Uh, it felt very true to life, and it was very well thought out, and it's it's loving and supportive in ways that sometimes uh, cozy mysteries can have sort of an antagonistic sister or an annoying mother or something, and that's just not the case in this book, which I, I thought was really nice. Um, there are lots of Uh, reasons for certain plot points that deal with the family dynamic and are actually really moving in the end. And it just was, was very, um, um, just a, a really, a really shining spot in this book that I, that I liked a lot. Um, also, I've never seen this before, but it doesn't ignore race in the book. So at one point, Wynne is having a, a conversation with her brother, and he points out that being one of the only Black people in a small town in Ohio would affect the decisions that their father has made and how he behaves toward police. And that is not something that hmm. ever would be brought up in another cozy mystery. I've never seen anything like that. And it really made me sit back, um, especially with everything that's going on right now, um, it's not dwelt on, but it but just to acknowledge that was was completely surprising to me in the in the best way. I loved that perspective in this book. So um, there's a lot of side plots with friends and and you know your typical hijinks, but um, this is to me just some, a really standout book in a, a genre that doesn't see a lot of diversity. So I'm really excited about the next one in the series, which I think comes out fairly soon. I want to say. And that is A Deadly Inside Scoop by Abby Collette.
0: Well, that sounds fun.
1: Yeah, that's great. You know, I'm not
0: always into cozy mysteries, but I think I would actually enjoy that one. Yeah. All right. So what I was reading this week, uh, which I just finished, was This Won't End Well by Camille Pagan. And it was very much in the vein of Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine or The Bookish Life of Nina Hill. So if you like either of those books, I think you would probably like this. It's about a woman named Annie Mercer, who is a scientist. And after uh, being subjected to a fair bit of sexual uh, um, innuendo and inappropriate sexual advances by her boss, she resigns. And um, she is such a scientist at heart. Like, she loves order and she loves facts and logic. And so it's a big deal that she has quit her job like that because it's really... Um, what she loves to do and at the same time um, her fiance has who is a french teacher a french language teacher at um, a a local high school i think has decided he's going to spend the summer in france and he tells her at the very very last minute basically as he's walking out the door to go to the airport he says i'm going to france and i need about a month where we don't talk at all Okay. her best friend, who has been her best friend for years and years and years, has suddenly gotten into um, peddling crystals and pseudo-scientific remedies for things, and um, this, this really hurts Annie's uh, science-loving heart when she tries <laughs> to get her to use some of this stuff. So she is feeling a bit out of sorts due to all of this, as you would imagine, um, and the upheaval in her life is very unsettling. She just doesn't quite know what to do with herself so she lives with her mom Um, she had moved in several years before because her mom has depression and was dealing with an episode that annie was a little bit worried about her so she decides she's going she was she decided at the time to move in with her and help her and just keep an eye on her and stuff like that um, and never really left and it's actually a point of contention between annie and her fiance because he has asked her to move in and she never has and so she's just second guessing a lot about her life and kind of where she's ended up And as she figures out what she's going to do next, she takes some jobs cleaning houses in her neighborhood and um, doesn't really fill up all of her time. It's just I think she has four clients or something like that. And so um, she notices that there's a new person living next door to her mom's house who seems young and very glamorous and doesn't really fit in with kind of the other people in the neighborhood. It's a very suburban neighborhood. And this woman seems like she stepped off the pages of um, Vogue or something. And so one day, when she's sort of observing her neighbor by she decides to go trim some bushes so she can see into the neighbor's backyard, she literally falls into a man who also seems to be there spying on the neighbor. And so she starts talking to him like, "What are you doing here? Why are you Why are you a stranger in my backyard?" And it turns out he's a private investigator, and he can't tell her who hired him or why he's there, but uh, assures her that the person who hired him has the best of intentions. And so she starts speculating about who this woman is, why there's a private investigator following her um, and, and making assumptions about that. And then the neighbor is super friendly and invites, oh, and when the neighbor first goes into the house, this is kind of a funny scene. When the na- she's watching the neighbor first go in the house and all of a sudden she just sees feet um, that she that almost like the woman has fainted or something she's just seeing feet and so she walks over to ask and the girl says oh no I'm fine I'm just showing my followers on social media that I fell in love with the house literally like I fell <laughs> and so she's this the neighbor is just the polar opposite of Annie but as she as Annie starts getting to know the neighbor and the private investigator and Annie strike up a friendship she's she's really like surrounding herself with people that are taking her out of her rut and exposing her to new things and meanwhile she's figuring out that maybe her fiance is never going to come back from France and what does that mean for her and it's just really charming and and funny and you grow to love Annie for all of her l- little scientific heart quirks and they the part that made me Laugh out loud! is It's all—it's uh, an epistolary novel, so it's journal entries and um, emails back and forth, like between she and her fiance and stuff. And then part of it is the neighborhood listserv, which I don't know if you are on Nextdoor and, but uh, here <laughs> in suburban North Carolina, Nextdoor provides us with endless hours of entertainment because <laughs> uh, people like to talk about just the most mundane things and complain about the most mundane things on Nextdoor, and so these snippets from the neighborhood listserv are clearly skewering next door and uh which if you don't know next door is i guess it's social media but based on who lives around you so it's um a recommendation for a painter you could find on next door because you ask your neighbors or if um you have when we moved we had boxes that we didn't need anymore so i posted on next door that i had boxes to give away and somebody came and grabbed them because they were moving so it's supposed to be like your neighborhood social media uh, but it always turns into like whose dog is roaming around and why isn't your dog on a leash and i saw a suspicious car driving down the road at two o'clock in the afternoon anyway it, it makes us laugh so it made me laugh quite hard that there are these little snippets of it in this book and that is this won't end well by camille pagan
1: that sounds really i think that's how you say her last
0: name be a little different but okay well this was such a fun
1: episode uh was really fun
0: and what why don't you list off what you talked about
1: okay should i just do the books
0: no do the tv show too Okay.
1: okay Um, So I talked about Sex and Vanity and Crazy Rich Rich Asians by Kevin Kwan, which is a read-alike for Gossip Girl. Grown Ups by Emma Jane Unsworth, which is a read-alike for Fleabag and Search Party. The Secret Lives of the Amir Sisters by Nadia Hussein, which reminds me of Great British Bake Off. And what I'm reading this week is A Deadly Inside Scoop by Abby Collette.
0: All right. And I talked about the nest by cynthia dupree sweeney and that was a read-alike for the tv show succession sweet tea and sympathy by molly harper which was a read-alike for the tv show Shit's creek queenie by Candace mccarty williams which is a read-alike for the tv show or the book normal people and what i was reading this week is this won't end well by camille Pagán. Uh, so if you would like to get in touch with us to give us feedback or a suggestion on a topic you'd like us to discuss in a future episode you can email us at wellreadpod at com. you can find us on our Facebook page or on Twitter at wellreadpodcast or on Instagram we have I think like 60 followers now Wow, is very exciting I was just thinking yesterday we need to start posting stuff there oh um, yeah that'd help <laughs> Sorry, right, people. We'll, we'll get on it soon. Uh, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your other podcast provider of choice. Our theme music is Kitten by Poddington Bear. We keep our show notes at wellreadpodcast.wordpress.com, where you can find a listing of every book we talked about in this episode, as well as all the TV shows we talked about in this episode. Thank you all for listening, and have